1: You can find us at patreon.com forward slash BC. We hope to see you soon, because remember, Innsmouth isn't just a place, it's a state of mind. You're listening to KZOM,
0: only public radio.
2: Welcome to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Hey everyone, welcome once again to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. I am one of your hosts, editor and producer, D.B. Spitzer. To my virtual right, Gretchen and Farmer Dave. How are you two doing?
3: And and a couple baby goats too. Oh, and some (laughs) baby goats, yeah, yeah, we heard them just a few moments ago. You may hear them. They think it's feeding time. But it's not feeding time. (laughs) (laughs) So you may hear hear some baby goats, but
4: that's okay. All right, old man cat. I I just have an old man cat who keeps walking around his bowl because he's like, his internal clock thinks it's 5 p.m. It's not 5 p.m. yet. So he's like, Where is my food? But good.
2: (laughs)
3: But other than that, I am doing
2: well. Cool, cool, cool. Good to hear, good to hear. Oh, I'm, I'm awesome, I'm awesome. Uh, just uh, dealing with 3D printers. Uh got a 3D printer from one of our sponsors and a 3D printer from one of our other sponsors. I got a Mars 3 by Igloo that uh, I think I got some uh, bad uh, resin uh, mm-hmm. for printmaking, Uh, My buddy gave it to me, and I think it's like a couple years old, and that stuff expires because I, or I didn't shake it up or something. I'm, it's weird. I I got a bunch of really nice, nice prints out of it, a bunch of skeletons, and then something happened, and I got to figure that out. But it's an amazing printer, and that's the Mars 3 from Igloo. I'll put that in the show notes. And also, I've been messing around a whole bunch. With my super cool uh, AnyCubic uh, Cobra Go, it's mm-hmm. it's it's uh, you have to put it together yourself, but it's also a really nice nice printer. And yeah, that's what I've been doing. I've been making uh, cool stuff for upcoming markets, and I'll let people know when that stuff's going on. Once I have a I don't know, calendar for that. But yeah, that's what I've been up to. Uh, a lot of 3D printing. And uh, as of this recording, I still haven't recorded the last. I haven't edited the last episode. So, uh, we'll have a couple episodes coming out back to back. So Well, I did so.
4: see that you had um, some of the T-shirts for the podcast um, for sale, too. I thought that was pretty cool. I like yeah. the upside down graphic of um, Lovecraft.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I, we've always got the T-shirts for sale, and I didn't want this to be a big ad for the show. But hey, I mean, better do it now than later. Hey, hey. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yes. So I, I do have. A, I have a 3D uh, printing question. Hmm. If you have three, two 3D printers, is that sixty or ninety? Do you oh. add, multiply them?
2: That's that's mm-hmm. uh that's a whole bunch of. Uh, whole bunch of headache is what 2 3 printers are
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah one's a PLA and the other one's a uh, uh, UV based printer which it's it's really cool it has an LCD screen that just shines light to the, the 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 resin which is light sensitive yeah it just has to have this little tiny space enough space that it can shine light on it and then it does something and then it goes up and it slowly does all this stuff and it slowly builds it's really cool then you have it to uh... sounds like black magic to me
4: <laughs> oh, it's,
2: <laughs> it's, it's awesome it's it's the future Dave but yeah yes. <laughs> Everything else we're talking about today is not the future. it's it's the recent past or the the distant, distant out of our uh, uh, oral history as humans' past. Ooh. So, yeah, yeah, we're talking about Satanpra zeros a and gorgeous, his tail and his tails. Uh, <laughs> And and uh, Clark Ashton Smith character. And then we will be talking about the 19, no, 2006 Supernatural Horror uh, directed by Christopher Gans and written by Roger Avery, based on the video game of the same name, uh, you know it, you know, love it, Silent Hill. Maybe you don't <laughs> love the film, but we'll talk about that. All right. We've done the part where I ask everyone how they're doing. Now we're going to talk about uh, Satampra Zeros. Dave, what do you know about Satampra Zeros?
3: So I know that he's a character in a Clark Ashton Smith short story (laughs) called The Tale of Satampra Zeros. I also know I can't pronounce his name.
2: All right. All right. What else do you know about what? What do you know about the tale of Satamper Zeros? Everyone can hop it on this one.
4: I mean, this was my. I think I'm. Unless did we read another Clark Ashton Smith's story a few few um, episodes ago?
2: Oh, we could have. <laughs> well, anyways,
4: the. I'm really unfamiliar with his body of work. Okay. Um, it, this, I'm still pretty new to his work in general. And I this tale I thought was really kind of cool. It was, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was very lyrical almost in its writing. Um, oh, yeah. Like... When the scapory describes the jungle and, like, the way that everything was venomously and red and crimsoned and rubied and, like, uh, garneted, like, I, I could, I'm immediately, my brain went to, like, old episodes of uh, Johnny Quest Okay. Oh, okay. Like, for some reason, my that's what I was seeing is like those those beautiful painted backdrops that they use in like yeah. Johnny Quest. Oh, yeah, yeah, I love it. like those kind of shows like Space Ghosts and whatnot yeah. and like Scooby-Doo had them too. But more like, the more the reason why I think I see Johnny Quest is because there's like this jungle expedition and then finding this ruined temple and, you know, paved, paved grounds. And I thought, I mean, I, I liked the story. I mean, I thought it was, there's a little bit of privilege involved. he's kind of a schmuck if you think about it, the way he talks about the people and yeah, the yes. villagers and how he stole like a chicken. I'm like, what an asshole.
3: <laughs> yeah. like,
4: deserve to yeah. <laughs> lose and hand
3: and spoilers for what a ninety two year old story. yeah,
4: right totally.
3: but there there will be some spoilers. yeah, to me, it's sort of like, you know, Lovecraft stole from Denzany and then Smith said, Hold my mead. I'm gonna write <laughs> a Denzany story.
2: Yeah, no, no. This is like uh, Clark Ashton Smith being like, you know, I like what you did there, but what if I, you know, what if I added some Baudelaire to this stuff, huh? Let's let's give some uh, descriptions, let's give it some color, let's give it some oomph, let's give it some vavoom. And, you know, I mean, it's 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 something I like about Clark Ashton Smith is he does have many of the same influences as Lovecraft. But well,
4: he's like his like twin, practically. If you think about it, like they both got the anxieties. They're oh, yeah. both like, Afraid of travel and afraid of going out and afraid of crowds. It's like they're both very similar. Like so I read something that like said that Clark Ashton Smith had like a, a proclaimed eidetic memory. Uh
3: huh. Yeah, I, I I suspect so that, and I've heard that more than likely he was on the autistic spectrum.
4: Oh yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So you know who I really think read this story. Boom, Gary Gygax.
4: Oh, yeah, Yeah, right. Yeah, it it sounds like an episode, like a game module, almost.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So (laughs) I would not be surprised. I can prove it, but I would not be surprised if this is the origin for the idea uh, behind the Gluttonous Cube. Yeah.
4: Oh yeah, because it has that form of a where it stands upright, but has no neck and arms or legs. I was all yes. that sounds like a like a umibozu, which is like the like the sea god um, yokai that like it's yeah. just like a like a, a like a ghosty plop.
2: Yeah, yeah, think, and but it's uh,
4: all like in the sea and by this, itself.
2: This formless spawn, as it's described some places, of Sathagwa actually has a name and is technically the grandson of Sathagwa uh, by the name of... Let's see if I can pronounce this. The name is... Nyagatin Zhaum. Zhaum, who is the spawn of a Vormi and clip, And... Uh, uh, Kenyatin Zalm uh, was a reaver and a cannibal who uh, grew up in uh, the uh, mountains of Vormith Address in the Aglothian Range, which is brought up in the uh, a, a different Clark Ashton Smith story, which is um, the Seven Gees.
3: Certainly.
2: So, so we have which like- is probably the
3: most. Well-known Hyborian
2: tale. Yeah. And the story where we learn about uh, King Yatin Zom is actually from... Uh, oh, shoot. The Testament of uh, Althamas, which is the story about why uh, Camorium was deserted and about this, 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 this like massive cannibal... A uh, 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 barbarian guy Who would like Just like Eat people And tear things up And like nice. No one could stop him and they finally stopped And they beheaded him That didn't stop him And then they like Bound him in copper And set him on fire And that didn't do anything Cause the The, the Bound copper Like started like Bulging in places And then And then all hell broke loose And this black mass Came out And just started killing Everything they had, like, destroyed... You had
4: spawn uh, in them. Or, uh, what is it? Yeah, spawn. <laughs> and,
2: and, and it's, and it's, it's like they, 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 like, burnt away whatever was, like, the physical matter that was Za'oom and created this, like, black formless spawn that just, like, destroyed this, this, this capital city of uh, the uh, Hyperborean cycle. Yeah, and I said
3: Hyborian, and it was wrong. That's that's Howard Hyper. Hyperbore. I was going to ask,
4: like, yeah. is this affiliated with Conan? I, I'm
3: what's no, I, I no. I don't think. I mean, they had to have been writers. I mean, they must have corresponded. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh,
2: Hyperborean is. Uh, I'm trying to remember which happens first, but it's like. Uh, it's one's the other and it's like uh the hyborians are 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 just like they lived up north and it's like the predecessors to man but this stuff is even more ancient this is like some of these people like i don't even know if satan Prozeros is considered human or proto-human
4: oh really like the guy who's telling he's telling the tale he's the narrator
2: yeah, yeah. He 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 may not even be human. He may be some sort of proto-human. But well,
4: he has a hand or yeah, hat yeah. on.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but One yeah, yeah. Some can. some sort of uh, progenitor of the human race, as we think about it now. Maybe uh, I don't know, like uh, Neanderthals or something like that. Mm-hmm. But gotcha. who knows? I'm mixing real stuff with fake stuff. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, no, and uh, that's what I think is really cool about this 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 story uh, about Satampra Zeros and how he lost his hand. It's like, oh, wait a minute, that's that guy. And that well, guy. he
4: totally like sacrificed his friend. He's like, peace. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah.
4: You get to die in that basin. Bye. <laughs> oh
2: yeah. Yeah. He's There's just, only room
4: for one of us to hide behind this sculpture, so yeah. you get to get in that basin.
2: He is—he is not the gentleman thief. No, no he's, a jerk. <laughs> he's a jerk.
4: Like I said, he deserves his hand. Yeah, so I, I like I, the way. I'm oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, I was gonna say I really like the way he described the the tentacle itself. It's like, it's like he was he and it was slimy but not slimy, and like pulpous, but not pulpous. and mm-hmm. metallic but not edged but also edged, and like <laughs> it was really it was interesting.
2: Yeah, that that feels like Clark Ashton Smith being like, "Well, I can do this whole like vague yeah. descriptive thing that uh, Lovecraft's doing." <laughs> it was written back in '31, so it was written during Lovecraft's life.
3: Yes, in fact, Lovecraft loved it. He he wrote a letter to Smith saying how how great it is, and oh, yeah. and Lovecraft really was a Smith fanboy. Sure, sure, oh, yeah,
4: totally.
2: No, and and as as the three big guys go of Howard, uh, Lovecraft, and Smith, I've, I'll say it once. I'll say it again. I really think that Smith, by far, was the most talented. And I'm I'm just talking about the stuff written when Lovecraft and Howard were alive. Mm-hmm. But um, I it was probably I, is 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 a more talented and well-read writer than
3: Lovecraft. And Howard. And the only one of the three that had a successful relationship. Yes. Yeah.
4: Oh, truly. Is that it?
3: Yeah. So, so I, I have a that. question. Yeah. He, he he got married late in his life mm-hmm. and he, Me too. he died married. Uh, and, you know, he apparently raised two stepsons that were, a, a, it became a good, happy family relationship. Yeah.
4: Oh, good for him. Yeah, Because it seems like he, like, from everything I, like, the little bits that I read about him were that, I mean, he was really very intelligent, but he struggled financially because um, he wasn't able to, like, really find um, his niche in society, yeah. like, beyond the fact that he wanted to write. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he was driven to do that. So, I mean, I understand, like, autistic people sometimes struggle, and, like, not to mention autistic people
3: yeah. Like, that struggle. Especially then. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, back then they didn't know what it was. They were like, oh, they're slow or, like, I, I mean, I don't really, I can't even pretend to know. I mean, they all had lead poisoning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I keep reading like that, I was like, oh, this was wrong with them boomers. I'm like, they're all, I think some of the people are dead, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lead poisoning.
3: <laughs> so, so I have a question. Yeah. Sure. If you were going to stat, stat Pro Zeros for a generic, non-named fantasy role-playing game, what would you stat him as?
4: Oh, oh I would say his high wisdom, like mediocre intelligence.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say high wisdom, low intelligence... Uh maybe higher charisma, yeah. but not a super high charisma.
4: No, because if he's having to like kind of swindle people, then he doesn't have a super high charisma. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's like a charisma of like eleven or twelve if we're going with like a D20. Yeah. Um I, I, I don't see him as necessarily strong, but also I do see him as being uh, fairly dexterous.
4: And he yeah. has um, pistol handling abilities because he has to shoot the rusty bolts off the door to get it open.
3: Yeah, yeah. If it was mm. a if it was a class based game, I would say definitely a rogue. But I think he's got some points in rogue or are in um, bard. Yeah. But also because he seemed to be very familiar with the 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 jungle, I would say maybe some points as ranger. Hmm. Mm. Okay. And if or it was he has like
4: of, area knowledge.
3: Yeah. The, the oh yeah. Drew. And if it was a sort of generic gurps like game, I would also say alcoholic. <laughs>
4: oh yeah. <laughs> because there's that, that, that part where they're like, and we emptied the flask and leaven, lightly leaven what did they say? They they lightened the leather yeah. like cask or something like that. I thought that was pretty funny.
3: Yeah. And they were almost out of money, but instead of buying food, they they bought, you know, palm wine. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you
4: do well I mean they have to go into the forest I mean go into the yeah. not the forest but the jungle and like I mean that's another thing I thought was really cool was the, the description of the temple and that area it's it, I mean it was I, mean, I, I keep going on about it. it was description abilities but they're I was very impressed yeah. by like how lush the descriptions were
2: oh yeah 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 no no and um it's 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 the kind of stuff that I wish that the Conan stories had a little bit more of.
4: Oh yeah, yeah.
2: And and I feel like this kind of stuff by Clark Ashton Smith just kind of goes by the wayside, and people don't know about like the the uh, uh, Hyperborean uh, stories of uh, Zeros and such. But yeah, it's or yeah. Uh, What's his Hyper- friend's
4: name? I had trouble pronouncing that one.
2: Oh, um, let me click that one up. I don't have it right on my. Like, well,
4: we'll Duke. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, Duke."
2: Oh, looking and looking. Oh, oh it just yeah. says some thieves. Oh, um, Turav, umpilios I don't know, Ampul, Ampolius.
3: <laughs>
4: oh those baby goats no
3: Yeah they've they, they been fed but they don't think they've been fed. They uh-huh. forgot that, they forgot that they were fed, you know, forty five minutes ago. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I like Raul Duke though, so you know I could imagine <laughs> I'm going
4: with Raul Duke is. Raul as... Duke. Yeah poor um, Raul Duke. Um, as, Duke. As as
2: as your uh, as your lawyer and lifelong friend, I advise you. <laughs>
5: <laughs> we can't it,
2: stop here. This is formless spawn country. <laughs>
3: yeah. Isn't Raul Duke listed in the masthead of every Rolling Stone as the sports editor? Oh, possibly. I think oh. he is. Either that or Hunter S. Thompson, one of the two. No, music. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what 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 do y'all think of? So Tamper Zeros as a character. We've 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 talked about what he would be if he was in a RPG. And he's not really a great guy.
3: No, he's flawed. He's a yeah, flawed yeah. guy. But but, but he, he doesn't quite realize it. Yet. No, no. And, and I think that's part of Smith's, you know, genius here is this guy's bragging about how great he is, but he's also revealing all his flaws. Reminds yeah, he's a, me, not a
4: less history, more mystery. He's all like, "Let me lay this out for you."
2: Yeah, uh, reminds me of Ash from Evil Dead a bit.
4: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, missing
2: a hand, kind of a smarmy jerk. Uh, I don't know. Although Ash is more of a, 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 I don't know, just straight up fighter. class.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I think that this guy is kind, is basically your your run of the mill. Like, uh, like lawful neutral or something like that.
3: Yeah.
4: Or and not lawful neutral, but maybe like Chao- chaotic neutral. Yeah.
3: yeah. Chaotic yeah. selfish. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Because yeah, he's definitely no. like only concerned about his making, like his getting his getting his share of things. Uh huh. Yeah. Is, like peace, I got all the shares, and then except for my hand.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the way it goes sometimes.
4: Got to get that that tentacles. Got to watch out for them. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. If this was if this was a module, I would definitely uh, have fun playing it until I lose my hand. But you know.
4: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just realized. Maybe like, have you? I mean, have you seen like like heavy metal? There's that that one, the John Candy one. Yeah. So I feel like that kind of, that's what I would like to see if I was going to see this drawn as a, that mm. in that style. The, oh, the way yeah. 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 Right.
2: Yeah. That would be cool. That would be really cool.
4: <laughs> Fire and ice. I think that's what's, that's kind of what I picture now. It's like, now I picture him as like this, like he's like a purple guy with like blue hair and walking around in this spacey kind of futuristic Slash adventuring gear from the
2: 1920s. So you're talking about van art then, huh? Oh, is
4: that what that is? <laughs>
2: I, <it's laughs> the just, the art you see on you Vans? Uh, Yes, yes, the okay, spider. van
4: art, exactly.
2: The stuff like, that. There's a
4: waterfall and a wizard. A space
2: wizard. <laughs> right. And a barbarian lady, and she's got huge boobs
4: And she's only got like a leather G <laughs> string to protect her. <laughs> Yeah, I, I totally see it now. Yep. My next tattoo, Jake. <laughs> Not my next tattoo.
3: Yeah, I, I think, though, if somebody does make this in a, an animated movie, they need to really focus on the cutler.
4: Yes, absolutely. Especially, like, the reds. Because I think that's, like, the most prominent color description in the story is, like, the, the eyes of the bats, the flowers that they drank from, the background of the fauna was uh-huh. had a red tone. Everything was red toned. It was so. This to me had a very alien planet, but also jungle. Ooh,
2: yeah. All right. It's a good story. It's a good story. It's or, good.
4: Uh, I, I've enjoyed enjoying that. I mean, it's a short story, but I mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, moving on to the next part. Just to remind everyone, if you like what you're hearing, like this episode, share it with people. Subscribe to the podcast. Find us on Facebook. We're under People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. We're on Twitter. I don't really check Twitter, so it's just kind of the automatic feed. If you just want to listen to us on Twitter for some reason, you can find us on any place, any podcatchers that are out there. Of course, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, the YouTube, where this episode will be. And uh, yeah, so Dave, what do we have for the uh, middle part this this uh, episode?
3: So we are going to talk about a Sasquatch-like creature reported during the Vietnam War called the Rock Apes. Not as many people thought, apes that form a rock band, but um, like I said, uh, these will be uh, the story of uh, U.S. soldiers encountering a Bigfoot-like creature in the Viet- in Vietnam.
2: Whoa, that's gonna be crazy to hear about. All right, so we'll listen to that, and then after that, we're gonna be talking about uh, one of my one of my uh, favorite franchises. Uh, maybe not one of my favorite films, <laughs> but also I love this film. But we'll we'll get into that. We'll get into that. All right, we'll see. You- this
0: episode is brought to you by California Tea House. California Tea House is a family-owned tea store where you can find some of the world's best loose-leaf tea and organic herbal tea blends. Like a fine wine, there is no comparison between
2: All that really good stuff and I love the little uh they've got these little tea bombs that you it's it, it opens up into a flower and Ooh. it's it's you drink it in a clear glass and you just let it go and it's it's crazy good tasting and also it's it's like a really good gift. Like give it to your grandma or your mom or your dad or your I'm a
4: huge tea drinker, my friend.
2: You're a huge tea drinker Well good thing that we have like a huge amount of tea As our uh, as, as our sponsor uh, No but uh, check Hook us sister up
4: with some black tea please oh,
2: Yeah I'll see if we can get some But uh, yeah Check us out in the show notes And check out California Tea Kitchen uh, California Tea House California Tea House It's in the show
5: notes <laughs> i
3: this because you're listening to this over some sort of audio device but it's just me Farmer Dave Gretchen and DP are out doing normal people stuff so you and I we can have really weird conversations and I want to talk about rock apes what are rock apes you ask or you may ask is that that progressive rock band by the guy who created Tank Girl in college? No, no, that's gorillas. Rock apes are basically a Bigfoot or Sasquatch-like creature reported in the jungles of Vietnam. So most of you listeners know, well, I, we collectively, the, the host of this show, live in Oregon, in, you know, the uh, Pacific Northwest of the United States. And this is Bigfoot territory, as much as there is Bigfoot territory. Now, I'm going to be kind of a storyteller, agnostic, anthropologist here. I'm not going to say these stories are true. I'm just saying that they are told. And there's a difference between saying a story is told and a story is true. Believe me. If you had just heard that l- recent lawsuit verdict that came out yesterday that I'm sure everyone heard, there's a big difference. So I'm not saying that these things are true, but I'm saying that they are told, and more importantly, they're fascinating and interesting. So what is a rock ape? rock ape is basically a brown bird, Bigfoot, who lives in Vietnam and throws rocks at American soldiers. Hence the catchy name, Rock Ames. Now, let's get things, get one thing right, first of all. I have a lot of respect for people who have gone through combat, especially the Vietnam War. I think now they're pretty open just the daily horrors that the soldiers went through or the threatens of threatening of violence, just how rough it was on troops on both sides during that war. I have spoken to and interviewed at least two people who were in night, you know, nighttime combat at fire bases and what they went through and the anticipation of what they were going to go through nightly is horrendous. And as individuals that I've not met and talked to, and as a group, they have my utmost respect. Now that said, I don't think it's a bad thing to say from sort of a psychological point of view that these people waiting around to be killed terribly and horrid, you know horribly by the enemy every night would come up with sort of a... Urban legend and spread around rumors to get some levity into their life. And so that these soldiers claim that these things happen is not a bad thing. I'm not saying that this means it's not true, but we could expect this type of urban legend going through the, the troops to combat both the horror and the boredom that they would experience in the base. Now, one sort of piece of evidence to prove that the stories existed at this time, not that the stories were necessarily true, and I don't know how many times I'm going to repeat myself in this podcast saying that, but that the stories were there at that time in the late 60s and early 70s, is, oh, and I know I'm going to mispronounce this, and I apologize, Sontron Mountain which is on coastal Vietnam, about in the middle. And it was called by the Americans as Monkey Mountain. And there was Monkey Mountain Air Force Base. And this was, we know that this exists. We have, the the, the name was used, the term was used at this time. We have, I think, four incidences of airplanes crashing into the mountain. And I think there was an attack by NVA or Viet Cong. So we know that the mountain existed. We know that the radar base existed, but there were so many reports of these rock apes that they the Americans called this Monkey Mountain. Doesn't mean the reports were true, but was enough in the common parlance that they named the radar installation Monkey Mountain Air Force Base. Now most people who listen to this, or you know, really know me. people know that I'm kind of an open-minded skeptic and that I'm interested in stories and cryptozoology but I have a problem with Sasquatch in the idea that it's very hard for me to believe that there is a greater mammalian species running around the Pacific Northwest that we haven't identified but the truth is there have been a lot of greater mammals discovered since the 90s in Vietnam, including one of my favorite, which name translates to vaguely like holy goat. I love the idea of holy goats, but they're actually closer to like an antelope or something. I don't really know much other than they were lost and they were found and they're called holy goat. So my point is, yeah, that the jungles of Vietnam are probably more conducive for an unidentified, you know, great ape to live in than the forest, and not be found, than the forests of the Pacific Northwest. So before we get into more of the uh, rock ape stories, I wanted to kind of share a comparison with something that happened in my backyard, which is... The Ape Valley of Washington story. Ape Valley is a real place, and I actually hope to visit it soon, uh, just outside of Mount St. Helens. And though I do believe that this was an urban legend, that the case wasn't real, it did get its name from this event or supposed real event. And the Ape Valley incident is to the best of my memory. The second Bigfoot story that I remember coming across, the first, of course, being you know, the Patterson film, but then this story where there were a bunch of miners who shot a Bigfoot, who conveniently, of course, the body fell into a valley, which, honestly, geographically it could happen, but it's kind of convenient for the story. Then that night, they went to the cabin... And the Bigfoot came and basically got revenge for the death of one of their own by throwing rocks through the roof. And this was supposed to take place in the 20s. And when I was a very impressionable uh, growing up person in the 70s, this was you know one of the big stories that would be in my grandfather and family members' story uh, books about uh, crypto. Cryptozoology. And when I first heard, much later, the, the rock ape stories, this is what it reminded me of. And in the back of my you know, skeptical mind, I wondered, how many of these soldiers that were fighting in Vietnam that started telling this story were from the Pacific Northwest? Did they know or hear or maybe hear and forget the uh, ape valley story And bring that with them When they went to fight overseas Also There definitely were Animal casualties In Vietnam There's one very classic story Where a special forces officer uh, Resting Was attacked by a tiger And dragged off uh, And his men had to hunt him down Uh, The people that I've talked to That served in Vietnam Several have Tiger stories. One was a C.B. who helped basically reinforce the defenses for a, a Marine firebase, and he said he and his buddy were on guard duty one night, and they watched a tiger go through all their defenses, and they had put trip wires and explosives and mines and punji sticks, and a tiger go not just across it, but vertically through their entire defenses uh, on the camp and walk out unscathed. So, there definitely were animal attacks in Vietnam. In the most generic of these stories, basically, American Marines or American soldiers uh, would have these brown furred beasts throw rocks at them. And this is pretty much the standard report. One story tells of a, a Marine unit that was trying to track down a Viet Cong, and they were following what they thought was a, a large group of, of VC. And when they got close enough to identify them, they said that they were these large you know, brown fur bipeds. So they radioed their captain and said, well, you know, what are we gonna do? What should we do? And the Marines basically reported that, hey, we're, we're getting surrounded by these creatures. And the captain said, well, hold off, don't, don't open fire on him. And whether that was because he didn't want to kill these creatures or he was afraid it would give away his locate, the location of his troops, so he basically radioed back, throw rocks at him, try to drive them off. And then the, you know, the rock apes kept with their name, and they started throwing the rocks back. The Marines, you know, began to, to panic because they were being surrounded literally by hundreds of these creatures. And so they were given the order to attack them with their uh, bayonets, And so they did a bayonet charge of sorts. And what happened was this just terrible battle that the captain heard over the radio. So he, you know, gets reinforcements, they go up there... And none of the Marines were killed, but they're all seriously wounded, and there's these dead bodies lying all around. Now, this story is almost guaranteed to be an urban legend. And and the reason why is, well, there's no bodies. There's no photographs. There's no record of who the captain is. You know, if you really believe this was a a real event, you say, you know, it's part of a government cover up, but even the people who are telling the story, it seems they never gave, at least I didn't find, any names that it was this person who can be confirmed was at this location and that this person had this kind of injuries. Uh, It's a great story, but again, it's more than likely an urban legend. Now, there are monkeys in Vietnam and if this case maybe was blown out of proportion of an incident where soldiers have encountered monkeys. There's a not necessarily that big but if you're in the middle of combat and you're expecting to fight humans, maybe there was an exaggeration. So some of these stories might have grown up out of you know soldiers encounters with monkeys. There's no real evidence that this happened. Dot 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 other than, you know, the stories, dot, dot, dot. And most of those are, I heard that this happened, dot, dot, dot. I wasn't there. There are, however, especially after the war, does come out as uh, uh, plaster castings of large footprints, much like we're going to see in places like uh, Washington and Oregon but just as you know, that's not necessarily concrete pun intended proof that there is Bigfoot, these plaster castings of rock apes are not necessarily scientific level proof. Now there is one other case that is tied into this and that would be a case best known for Siberia, Minnesota, and Austin, Texas. And that you wouldn't necessarily on the surface associate with Rockman and or Vietnam. And that is the case of the Minnesota Iceman. Now the Minnesota Iceman looks kind of like a pre-human hominid frozen in ice. the original story was that it had come from Siberia and smuggled into the US and it traveled the country even up into Canada uh, at least once as part of a traveling show and although almost everyone guarantees that it was a fake, it apparently is a very good fake Um, and in fact, at least one person has reported it to the FBI thinking that it was a murder victim in a mass, but uh, the FBI apparently declined to investigate it. So, where does it get its name? Minnesota, little, what does this have with the Vietnam War? Well, originally, like I said, it was supposed to have been smuggled in from Siberia. Then the story changed, the it was shot in while people were hunting in Minnesota. And then eventually the story changed a third time. Saying that this is a rocket. And that the soldiers had killed it in Vietnam and smuggled it into the U.S. But that they did this whole ice deception because they didn't want to get in trouble for smuggling the creature's body into the United States. You know, and I'm sure there might be some sort of discipline, but any penalty that would gotten from killing it and smuggling it to the U.S., I'm sure would nowhere be the rewards of it basically proving that this cryptid was true. So, the Minnesota Iceman is supposed to have been, or maybe been, a a uh, Vietnamese rocket. Where is said Iceman now? Well, after traveling for years in uh, circus carnivals and freak shows, it eventually ends up into the Austin Museum of the Weird. So you too, if you're in the Greater Texas area, might be able to see what might be a Vietnamese rocket. Um, so that's just, uh, I mean, we're just on top of the iceberg here, but I think that's a pretty good sort of for today. And it just, also, if it proves anything, that the idea of you know, furry hominids as cryptoids, it's not exclusive to America. We know that with the Yeti. So why couldn't there be stories of these creatures around the world? Or even more, why can't there be these creatures? And if they exist in the Pacific Northwest, why don't they exist elsewhere? So, let's maybe get back to a little bit more same talk with uh, DB and Gretchen. This is David, Farmer Dave, and uh, Thank you for, uh, taking a little bit of time and talking to me, about me, with me, uh, about the, uh,
5: Rockies.
0: Hey everyone, it's me, DB. New sponsor on the show, Glary. Glary offers a great price and better quality goods and services for music lovers. Are you looking for good prices, free shipping, 100% quality guarantee? Glary's got you covered. Guitars, bass guitars, mandolins. They've got saxophones, trumpets, drums. They've got guitar cases, amplifiers, all the stuff that you need without having to break the bank. Inexpensive doesn't have to mean cheap. Check out the show notes to find more about Glary. 20-watt amplifiers for under $50. Hard cases for your electric guitar for under $80 guitars themselves for under $90. Come on, folks. Check out the show notes. Get a glary.
5: Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic Monster Movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic monsters, modern talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kid Radio.
0: part of the show doesn't have a theme song yet david db and Gretchen go to the movies hopefully next week we'll have a real theme so, song
2: yet. centralia pennsylvania, <laughs>
3: pennsylvania. yeah
2: it it's 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 uh inspired many things it's inspired uh a fictional town that we've used on the show from time to time uh
3: can I give a uh, Centralia uh, trivia? What's that? To the best of my knowledge, it is the only zip code that the postal service has ever removed. Oh, wow.
4: So is that there, a true place where the coal fires have... I mean, I've heard of a few places in America like that, but is that specifically one of them?
2: Yeah, this is the one that in 63, they uh, were burning all the garbage in the dump, but they were also shoving garbage into And... It, yeah, not a good combination. They didn't realize how deep and weird and the the coal folds underneath the city were. And, oh. yeah, just uh, burned and burned and burned. And sometime in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, people, houses, l- luckily who, like, almost fell in, it's, it's yeah, the toxic gases, and last I yeah. heard, there was, like, maybe less than a dozen people living there.
3: And they had to sue to be able to live there. Yeah. Really? So nobody yeah. else could buy property there, but huh. the, they had to sue to stay there.
4: Just because, you know, whatever reason or like uh,
2: just generally, I think it was all like really, really elderly people who are like, mm-hmm. we don't have anywhere else to go. This is our home. That's uh, a shame. I'm going to I, I want to die in the town I was born in kind of stuff. It's like, OK. And oh, there's yeah. people who live outside of the town that come and like paint the park benches and deliver mail because no one's going to bring them their mail anymore. And
4: oh, wild.
2: Yeah, and just make sure that, like, you know, looky-loos aren't causing problems and stuff like that because people do live there, and when a house starts to uh, get a little uh, fiery, uh, that's when it has to be demolished, and it's just, yeah. like, they have to demolish the houses or otherwise they'll just catch on fire and spread. So, <laughs> anyway, that's that's a little bit about Centralia, Pennsylvania. But We're talking about a a town based off of Centralia, Pennsylvania in one way or the other. We're talking about the town of Silent Hill which uh, is featured prominently in, oddly enough, the film Silent Hill 2006 Supernatural. Wow.
3: <laughs> truth in advertising. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, truth.
2: Um, I'm trying to remember if The uh, reason for the town is a coal fire, or... It's like, I just watched it. They had coal
4: fires.
3: Yeah. But I'm like... But yeah, it was that big thing full of, like, coal during the ritual that sunk down and started the coal fire.
4: Yeah. It was like the... What was the monster from the Clark Ashton thing? Yeah. It was that. (laughs) Yes. I mean, okay, so... I don't have the nostalgia of the franchise. Like, so I've never read, I've never watched the game. I never played the games. And so Uh I don't have any familiarity with this. So I kind of went on this with like, here's seeing the movie Silent Hill. And it's been since probably 2006 since I've seen that film. Sure. Wow. That's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, okay. Not overall. I would say like seven out of 10, six out of 10. I don't know. It's has some beautiful, like, gloomy, atmospheric, but yes. the acting at points is so painful. Yeah, and some
3: some of the CGI too.
4: And the CGI is really bad. But I, I mean, I always kind of like I always yeah. wash out the CGI as something like you know a product of its era or whatever. Because there were time periods where people were paying cheaper like uh, CGI companies and not realizing how bad of an effect that was going to be until yeah. the production. So, it's, like, that stuff I, like, I can wash over, but, like, my God, that's a really convoluted plot.
3: Yeah. Like, it
4: completely takes forever to get to. And then when we get there, it's, like, we're on full speed, buddy. Pedal to the metal or, you know, all the way there. Like, it is – it's it's cold. I mean – I didn't understand why the nurses were a thing. I didn't understand, uh, like, the weird, like, why the why the pyramid head. I, I did not like the first act at all. But once we so, get to, like, this horror.
2: so Some things I need to talk about. Yeah. Is, <laughs>
4: Sorry, I'm like, I hate it.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. Those are the reasons I hate it, too, because I love the games. And it's like they took elements from the first game and threw them into the second game. They wanted the movie to be about the second game, yeah. which is about oh. a guy who goes back to Silent Hill to search for his wife. And because of guilt about her in a hospital, there's all these nurses. Pyramid Head is uh, something to do with his psyche. It,
3: it, it's his id, isn't
2: it? Yeah, it's his id. And, and, and. None of that stuff had anything to do with the original Silent Hill, which is like a guy named Harry, who uh, Harry Mason, um, who is driving through and there's like a little girl in the road and they crash the car. And um, then like a cop lady named Sybil Bennett, she's like, I I crashed too, and now I'm stuck in this town. And my walkie. T- Here's a gun, civilian. <laughs> See, that's it's, a- but it's like the second game. I feel like could have been a really cool standalone movie, and
4: well, what but I read he- about the director of like the game, uh-huh. he seems amazing. Like yeah. everything, his story. Yeah. And hearing what his actual, like, plot for the story was seemed yeah. beautiful and tragic and scary, whereas, like, I don't get any of that from the movie at all.
2: No, no, no. In the movie, like, they wanted to do this one story, and they're like, okay, we'll do it, but make it with this story. Make it, use, use the first story and then smash it all together, and they're like, well, we're just going to make the first story then, and then maybe we'll get to make another one. Mm. And... Like, it was, like, torn apart and rewritten and torn apart and rewritten so much. And and, and they, they'd it get shows. notes. Oh, no, no. They'd get crazy notes. Like, there's too many women. Throw some men in there. So they're mm-hmm. like, okay, we'll give her a husband. And there's a cop now. And it's, like, just dumb shit like that. And it's, like. Gross. It's, yeah, it was just. And they're like, oh, we'll throw pyramid head in. People know about pyramid head, and oh, let's put those nurses in. Yeah. And it's like I liked oh. how they were
4: done. Like the nurses were kind of a cool effect, like that, like like yeah. gasping sound effect. They were like, ah, oh, and it yeah. just sounded really. That was really spooky.
3: But yeah, and, that's and they seem to be activated by light. Yeah. And then movies, light is usually your protector or something and, and it I, gave away your position. Yeah. But
4: Yeah, it's uh, strange, man. I mean, there like I like the idea of the going into um a city and then the like the club bank rolls in and then you're like, "Well, I got to turn around and then the road is gone."
1: Yeah. I like
4: that kind of feeling cuz me that was like very like that had a Lovecraftian um, kind of Eldritch vibe to it, but then it just goes off the rails. Like the weird rusted. I I I can't even describe it. Like those weird rusty sets were just really strange. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. No, it's like the wallpaper disappears and it's like, it's, it's supposed to be like in the game. It's like a separate world. It's a secondary world. It's almost like Carcosa, but it's, it's like, a world that this cult brought in—it's—it's it's like a parallel world.
4: But it's not and like a Dante's Inferno thing either, though. Yeah. No. It, Which it's at more first, limbo. I was like, "Is this like her? You know, descended to hell?" No. No. It's, just, it's not that. It's not that interesting. It's just <laughs> poorly written. <Yeah.
2: laughs>
4: and I really love the actress who plays like the cult leader. Um, yeah. Uh, what's her name? Gosh. Um, well, uh, anyways, she's from yeah. like *Sleepwalker*. She's a board queen. I just yeah. really, really like her a lot. She's a, <laughs> a fantastic actress that has these beautiful, like, affectation to her voice that Alice Scrooge. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. Her voice is has a really like kind of um, drippy, like, uh, kind of honeyed, dark honeyed tone yeah. to it, and the way yeah. that she kind of moves herself, she's she's feeling it, yeah. but. Yeah. She's the only one bringing it to this to this movie.
2: Oh yeah. No, it feels it 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 feels like a few people got the notes of what movie they were making. And other people are like, oh, we're making a serious this is about, oh yeah, no, this is serious. This is about a kid missing. Yeah. <laughs> or something. And the miss. little kid,
4: she's a terrible actress too. And at least in this, she gets better in other things I've seen yeah. her in. But that first that her, this is, I think, one of her first roles. Uh-huh. And my God, so, silent hell! And she's supposed to be screaming in her sleep. And I'm like, come on. That's not what people sound
2: <laughs> Yeah. And there's stuff in here that just makes me go, why? Your child is having nightmares about a town, so you go take your child to that town?
4: Yeah, a, that doesn't make sense.
2: As yeah. a parent... No.
4: <laughs> oh, and when the cop like talks to the daughter in the window, I mean, like, I she's all good job, sweetie. I'm like, my kid would be like, what is happening?
3: <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah. How inappropriate to go up and knock on somebody's window just because they have a kid in their car. Yeah. Totally inappropriate.
3: That's
2: that's that's really weird. I don't know how stuff how you know how things go. It's like is 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 uh all cops worried about, like, people taking kids to Silent Hill because they might get, I don't know, sacrificed or something. So, cop's so, so I kind of bought
3: that. Yeah. yeah. That the cops are, by nature, paranoid and suspicious, and they're looking for this human evil that they're trained for. She doesn't see all the supernatural evil around her. I kind of bought that, actually.
4: Okay, okay. Yeah. I see what you mean.
2: Yeah, and that, that feels very Twin Peaks, which... The first Silent Hill game does have some kind of like twin peaksy kind of things about it, like even the way like the, the main character talks <laughs> in kind of a stilted weird way, which I'm mm. like, is he supposed to sound like Dale Cooper or is it bad acting?
4: <laughs> One does not simply walk into King's Landing.
3: <laughs> yes. yes.
4: Oh yeah. yeah. And, and I, I like that actor.
3: Oh, yeah, Sean Bean. Bean. Yeah. And, and spoiler alert, it's a movie he doesn't die in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean,
4: is he dead or are they dead? I
3: mean, who's dead? <laughs> so, so so I had heard this before I'd watched it, someone with the spoiler, that it was sort of a, you know, uh, a Jacob's Ladder, you know, Sixth Sense, that the main character was dead and didn't know it. But when I watched it, I got more... It's not that she's dead, she's separated in a different universe.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. She's she's in the parallel world. I think we just may have spoiled something, but Oh well.
4: Surprise. Well, I mean this well. movie came out in two thousand six, so if you haven't seen it yet Yeah.
2: Sorry. <laughs>
4: and
2: and something I do have to say, we're probably not gonna cover it, but Silent Hill two, the movie, uh is is way better than this. It's way better. I
4: ain't watched that
3: one either. I, I I haven't seen it, but I've I've not heard a single good thing about it.
2: Oh, it's <laughs> it c- compared to this, it's like uh, the the uh spoiler alert the, the girl changes her name. Yeah the the little girl who changes her name, uh and then ends up having to go back to Silent Hill or is like Silent Hill's following her and is like. Silent Hill in a mall, but it's not in Silent Hill. It's like the nightmare world is taking over where she's at,
4: mm. and is
2: following her around and stuff.
4: Could this be a version of Carcosa? I mean, like.
2: Oh yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah.
4: No, I could see this as like a, a easily blended into a Carcosa story sure. wrapped up in Silent Hill.
2: Definitely. Absolutely, definitely, yeah.
4: I, I liked the cult aspect. I thought that was kind of silly, like how what they were, what their 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 ideal was, like of keeping themselves pure. I was like, a bunch of white people, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, gross. And that was that was the only thing I was a little bit like kind of about. I mean, beyond like some of the acting, but yeah, like uh, I just I like the idea of like certain things, like certain beats, they were hit. And I would be like, "Oh, that's cool. We should build on that." And then they seem to drop the story or move on to the next aspect of it.
3: yeah it, it it's a weird thing to really like, but maybe my favorite part is like when she wakes up in what is the bowling alley or something. Uh-huh. yeah, and, and it's Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire, yeah, And when you think of the words of Ring of Fire it, it, it's it, it's like the song is the harbinger character. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. The, the song is the warning to her saying you've crossed the line. You're now in somewhere else.
4: David, you just gave I, this movie be more depth.
3: Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, that's my curse, my gift and my curse. That, <laughs> I, that I, I really like that part. I thought, and to best of my knowledge, that's the only, correct me if I'm wrong, because I didn't play the game, but that's the only song in the movie that's not based on a song that's in one of the video games. Yes,
2: and I have to say another thing Gretchen you should check out and the only thing maybe you should check out from this yeah. game is the sound I mean any I've like, heard
4: that the score for the sound the score soundtrack is incredible.
2: It's amazing. It's so amazing. I used to just put it on in the background and like then get terrified or like walk home at night listening to the Silent Hill one, two, three, and four soundtracks.
4: <laughs> I mean, I could get into the soundtrack, definitely. Yeah,
2: they're really good. They're really good. Uh, Akira Yakama I don't have the information in front of me, but yeah. The original, the original, uh, the composer for just, it's amazing stuff. And I highly recommend the the original music for the original Silent Hill video. Akira
4: uh, Yama. Yamaoka, I think. I just looked it up. (laughs)
2: Coco, Coco. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's like, a lot of things that I like about Silent Hill. Unfortunately, none of them are in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. (laughs) David gives it
4: depth, and then you yank it away.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, there's aspects of it that I think are really cool and, like... (laughs) The whole uh, barbed wire fire scene at the end is like pretty intense, and it seems like that would be a pretty cool, uh, like uh, Lovecraftian thing yeah. to deal with in a uh, RPG or a tabletop yeah.
3: RPG. Now, my understanding was that wasn't the original ending per se, yeah, and that a whole bunch of pyramid heads were supposed to pop out. They just couldn't oh, yeah. afford to film it. They just couldn't. It, it would cost too much, so they had to. Come up with something else.
2: Yeah, a bunch of pyramid heads with a bunch of different weapons and different outfits, but they were all pyramid heads. And it th- that that would be like, I don't know, if someone read whatever Jaws was based off of, it's like, and at the end, there's all. Jaws. When Jaws was being written, the accounts of the uh, the shark the, that swam up the river.
3: 1916 New Jersey shark.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> if 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 Spielberg read that and thought about that later, it was like, but then at the end, it's a hammerhead and a mako in a great white and a tiger shark and a bunch of other sharks that I'll look at. But I don't know. It just, yeah, no, I'm glad they didn't go with that ending. It would have made it
3: even dumber. Yeah. Uh, yeah I think the, the ending was perfectly serviceable oh yeah yeah, and, yeah. And, and i will say i will say this for the movie it does do better than most video game adaptations certainly uh, well
4: especially oh. at the time i mean we at had time, all those yeah. really bad ones like blood rain and stuff like that Whee!
3: yeah
2: no y- 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 yule bowl is nowhere near this movie
5: yeah
2: <laughs> and and like yeah no no the very first video game movie of course being I, it, oh it's a Pac-Man terrible oh, um, no. and and it's like every other video game movie after that point was just like awful 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 the Super Mario Brothers movie from the 90s was I don't it was awful it's
4: Awful I mean it was fun <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah no it's fun but it's 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 not very No it's stupid I mean it has like no
4: like barely anything. I, I could even tangent on that easily. but yeah, um, yeah. I, I like the ending too David. I, I also thought that was pretty cool. the their version of her house was this kind of dim and kind of dismal and yeah. there it was sadness and it was very gray and slightly foggy and then his is this warm fire crackling as he's sleeping on the couch and the rain is falling and it it's green outside. Yeah, It's it's very sad. Yeah. Because that's why I was thought, well, then they're dead, right? I mean, or they're just trapped in Silent Hill forever and ever and ever and ever and ever.
3: Yeah. Or until, until the sequel. Until the right. sequel,
2: where they explain how they push the little girl through. And...
4: Uh, oh, what?
2: It, somehow the little girl uh, got pushed through. And the cult's looking for her still. And her and her dad have to like move all the time. I don't, I can't remember if the dad's even played by Sean Bean or not.
3: I'm pretty sure he is.
2: Okay. Okay. Oh,
3: good. At least
4: they have that consistency.
3: (laughs) My my understanding is they're making a new movie, though. Oh, good. I heard they're
4: redoing the whole thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Which,
4: if it, this seems to be such a beloved series of games, they should do a better job.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the thing, though, that I kind of got out of this, that it was a labor of love. Oh, yeah. And not yeah. necessarily a successful one. But no. my understanding is, you know, Christopher Gam wrote them, for, or Organs wrote them for five years yes. begging to be able to make this. And that he even did like a 30-minute proof-of-concept movie and sent it to, what was it, Capcom or...
2: Yeah. Yeah. Konami. Konami. Yeah,
3: Konami. Okay.
2: And uh, yeah, you know, no, he like would take it to everyone and be like, Hey, check this out. Or you got to play this video game. And if someone was like, I don't want to play this video game. That's when he made the proof of concept stuff. Cause he was able to get people interested just being like, check out this video game I'm playing in my office. People are like, Oh, that's great. We should do that. But yeah, no, no, it's, it's, uh, it's 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 a labor of love but I can understand like while you're making it like the studio I mean this sucks this totally sucks but like you're making it and then the studio's like well, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Well, why don't we fix it like this? So we looked into it, and we found this other character that we think is cooler than what you got going on here. And man, it just,
4: producers, man. They yeah. suck sometimes. <laughs> they, they're the downfall of a lot of movies. And look what happened to the thing, like that prequel. They covered yeah. up all of the um, effects with digital stuff.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it you know, was terrible. Terrible. T- technically speaking... Every Ed Wood movie is a labor of love. It make
4: them
3: good. True story. True.
2: Very true. Very true. All right. Well, I think we've uh, dumped on a Silent Hill enough, but not enough to put out that fire. Uh, you mean we should be silent? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So next week, we're going to start going with some of your movies, but I don't have them listed yet, so.
4: <laughs> well, you'll let us know, right? <laughs> yeah, I'll,
2: I'll let you know uh, after the recording. It's going to be but... one
4: of many things. Could be yeah. a Japanese horror film. Could be something else.
2: Yep. But it's probably going to be a Japanese horror film.
4: Which I'm totally <laughs> Yes. I'm so excited for you guys to see these.
2: Yep, yep, and we will definitely be talking about a place called Sentinel Hill in northern Massachusetts. So
3: Sentinel Hill, not Silent
2: Hill? Not Silent Hill, nope. I almost switched it so that we could have two hills on the same uh. thing, but I don't know. <laughs> All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter youtube and of course pgttcm.com we've got the shirts there we've got cool things there we've got all kinds of stuff there it's where you're going to find what we're doing what we're working on what's coming up on the past we've got links to the instagram it's pretty much it's 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 pgttcm.com thank you for listening And thank you two for being part of People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos once again. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, have a good night, everyone, or a good day, or doing whatever you're doing, and uh, Mm -hmm. we'll see you next time.
4: Bye.
3: Bye. Bye. That was a good show. Yeah, that
4: was a fun one.
3: Yeah.